What I wanna offer you today are some of the building blocks that will help you succeed in a leadership role and some of the foundational leadership skills, like some of the foundational skills that will make you a good leader. True leadership is first of all about being really, really smart and wise with your time. But in addition to that, it's actually about finding a way to motivate and inspire other people that feels really authentic and true to who you are. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the new season. This is so exciting. I'm so excited to kick off this new season of the show. I feel like I have a renewed energy and rejuvenation just around my podcast, around my business, around the work I've been doing, around my clients. And I'm feeling really excited to start this fresh season with that fresh energy. I'm so happy that you're here. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you for being part of this community. And if you are newer here and you're just discovering the show, this is a show for women who want to become powerful, confident leaders and communicators in their corporate careers, women who are really ambitious, who want to rise up and do and achieve big things. I am here to help you do that. And I'm really excited because... Today, I'm diving into a massive topic that I honestly cannot believe I haven't talked that much about on this show. It's a little bit bonkers. It's a little bit bananas to me because it's so important, but that is the topic of leadership. Leadership is what enables you to succeed when you get the big role, you get the big up level, you get the big promotion. Leadership skills are the skills that you bring with you that help you make a big impact and be successful in those roles. And so we have to talk about them because The whole mission of my work as a career coach and the whole mission of this show is to help women advance, to help women rise up into executive positions, to help women become leaders. And you can't become a leader without leadership skills. So what I wanted to do today is lay some foundations. Since this is the first time I'm talking about leadership skills as its own topic on this podcast, I wanted to do a super foundational episode where I wanted to bust two myths about leading and becoming a leader in your corporate career that I see come up very, very often. They might be myths that you may or may not believe are true. And then I want to talk about what leadership actually is and what you actually need to be able to do to be wildly successful in a bigger, more senior, more executive position. So let's dive right in. First, I want to talk about the myths. And I'm laughing a little bit because I thought that these were true also, and this really weighed me down quite a bit in my career. And as soon as I started to unwind some of these beliefs about what it meant to rise up and become a leader in the corporate space, 
the sooner my career became more enjoyable and also the better I performed and the more success I had. So here are the two myths that I see really often about what it means to lead, what is required for leadership, what is required to succeed in a high-level executive position. The first one is that you have to be really aggressive and you have to be more like mean and obnoxiously direct with people and like less authentic. So for you to take up space and be in a bigger role, something about your personality has to shift where you can't be yourself. You have to turn into almost this more aggro version of you. That is something that I see very, very often. And if you think about it, when you have a belief like that, it's going to slow you down from pursuing leadership roles because how unappealing does that sound to have to like distort and uh, construe yourself to fit into this like mean, aggressive personality that isn't even you. So when you hold that belief, I think it makes leadership positions feel much less appealing. And I know I for sure held that belief at certain points in my career where I thought I had to have this like booming, (laughs) aggressive presence. I'm laughing at my past self, but like this booming, aggressive presence in order to be an effective leader. And I think each one of us has almost like our own distorted view of like what the quote unquote leader version of us needs to be. And sometimes that distorted view can look a little scary and it can feel like, oh, like I can't bring myself and who I truly am into a role like that because I have to be like this other personality. And I want to make sure that this doesn't get mistaken for me saying that you don't want to be confident and you don't want to take up space and you don't want to have a powerful voice. But there's a huge difference between being confident and taking up space and having a powerful voice in a way that's authentic to you and leading and showing up in a way that reflects your true personality versus forcing yourself to do it in a style that doesn't at all feel like you and almost feels like you're playing a role in a play and playing some role or acting as some role that you're actually not. So that is the first myth that you have to be aggressive and, oh, that you have to step on people's toes, throw people under the bus. And I'm not saying like corporate politics doesn't sometimes get shady and weird, but you do not have to be a dick in order to build a successful career. I did not. I did not throw people under the bus in my career and my corporate career was going very well and I was achieving a lot of success. So that is the first myth that I wanted to bust about leadership. And the second myth, this one came up today in a coaching session and this one is so important for me to break down is that you have to work a ton of hours and that if you want to be a leader or be in a more executive position, you have to make really, really big sacrifices in your personal life. And I think this is one of the sneakiest, most insidious myths that is out there. And I think part of the reason (laughs) that I'm hyper aware that this myth is straight up a myth is because the work that I did in corporate involved quite a lot of interaction with executives. So I became an executive myself before I left my corporate career to become a full-time career coach. But before I became an executive, and even while I was one, I worked with very senior stakeholders across the organization, right? So I would partner with VPs and SVPs and members of the C-suite, and I would be very often scheduling meetings with them. (laughs) 
So I learned about their calendars because when you schedule a meeting with an executive, you got to reach out usually to their administrative assistant and find out their availability. And through doing that over and over and over and over again, you start to pick up little clues about what their schedule and lifestyle is like. And one of the things that I realized is that they are fiercely protective of and smart about their time. So many executives who are having a big impact and doing big things, trust me, are not burning the midnight oil. And it might look like that, and there might be some that do, and that might happen sometimes. But actually, in order to succeed in a high-level role, one of the things that you need to do is learn to be really smart and really thoughtful with your time. And part of being smart and thoughtful with your time includes not overworking because overworking isn't always the most valuable thing that you can be doing. In fact, a lot of the time, overworking is not better for the company, right? So the company's not gonna like run better and have better results if like the CEO (laughs) never sleeps and never gets a wink of rest and is just putting in all those hours. And I think that we're really trained and indoctrinated in our culture that we live in to think, more hours equals better, more hours equals more value. But that's actually not true when it comes to being an executive and running a business. And again, this is something that I saw (laughs) when I began to learn what an executive's availability was and what their schedule was like and notice some of the patterns around what it was like to schedule meetings with them. And over time, my view of what it meant to be a strong leader and have really good leadership skills morphed and it became less about this like, horrific vision of like, you have to work a zillion hours and you have to be like really aggressive and direct and you can't just show up as you to me realizing that true leadership is first of all about being really, really smart and wise with your time. But in addition to that, it's actually about finding a way to motivate and inspire other people that feels really authentic and true to who you are. And I think it's so important for me to dismantle these myths because I think that myths like these, like that I can't be myself, that I have to be obnoxious, that I have to work a million hours, I think these are myths that keep women from pursuing leadership roles as intently as they would if they didn't believe these myths are true. And to take this a step deeper, I think it's not just that People think like, oh, I'm going to have to work really hard. I'm going to have to be an asshole. So like, I don't want to get into this leadership position, so I'm not going to pursue it. It's not just that people are thinking that. I think that the fear that that people have, maybe that you have around stepping up into a bigger role, that fear, instead of your brain being like, I'm scared of that role your brain uses these myths as the reason why you shouldn't pursue that role. It's going to take up all my time. I'm not going to be able to be myself, right? Like I'm not going to enjoy it. And sometimes then that prevents you from having to actually face the fear and acknowledge the desire, right? So I think a lot of times when we find these reasons like not to do something that feel really true and real, those reasons are actually just an expression, a surface level expression of a fear that is running and operating much deeper within us that we are unaware of. And that can just be so useful, right? Because then you can see the truth of the situation. The truth is I'm not avoiding this because it's going to destroy my work-life balance. I'm not avoiding this because it's going to mean that I have to turn into someone I'm not. 
I'm avoiding this because I'm scared. And I can make a decision around that, right? Like, how do I want to handle this fear? Do I want to handle this fear by avoiding the scary thing? Or do I want to figure out a way to navigate the fear so I can move towards the scary thing? Because ultimately, I want the scary thing. And so that was just a little bit of a tangent on fear and limiting beliefs and how they all kind of connect together. But what I really want to get into today and what I really want to talk about is what is leadership actually? What are the things that you need to be able to do to thrive and be successful in high-level leadership roles. And I want you to be aware of these things so that you have a roadmap in your mind for what it looks like to get to where you want to go. And I really believe, like so deeply in my bones, in giving women permission to own their desires, permission to say, I want this big, exciting, juicy thing, and I'm not going to deny that, and I'm not going to apologize for that and I'm not going to pretend like I don't want it even though I'm a little afraid of it. I'm just going to own that I want it. And I am such a proponent of helping women do that because until we admit what we want, we can't go after it. And more importantly, we can't be authentic. It's not authentic to pretend like we don't want what we want, right? And I think that's why we can feel so out of whack and so incongruent when we're not acknowledging our desires and when we're stagnating, it's because we're ignoring what we actually want. We're ignoring our true desires. We're covering up what is true and authentic for us. And so much of what I want to do on this show and so much of what I'm doing with my clients and, and in all the work that I do is helping you acknowledge what you want, even if that feels scary, even if it feels hard, even if it feels murky, even if it feels confusing, even if it feels overwhelming. The first step to growth, the first step to building a career that excites you, that feels juicy, that you are proud of, is to get in touch with your dreams and figure out what is that thing that lights me up? What is that thing that I want to go after? What is that thing that will feel so gratifying and exciting to me? once I attain it. And for me personally, that's always been higher achievement, not to achieve to prove myself, but to achieve to show myself my own power, right? And so that's kind of how I've approached my career. And that's how I approach this show, because that's how I orient towards the topic of career. And so what I want to offer you today are some of the building blocks that will help you succeed in a leadership role and some of the foundational leadership skills, like some of the foundational skills that will make you a good leader. And my hope is that this will inspire you to begin building and cultivating and expanding these skills within yourself today so that as you get closer to being ready for your next big up level, you have the confidence that you're going to succeed and you're going to be able to do it because you've been building these skills all along. So let's get into it. I'm going to walk you through three huge foundational pieces to succeeding as a leader. I'll give you the list and then we're going to dive into them one at a time. I'm going to be circling back to those myths that I shared with you and talking a little bit about why those aren't true and hopefully inspiring you to believe in your own potential to step up and lead and have a role that's bigger and more fun. To be totally, totally honest and transparent with you, 
the higher I got in my career, the more fun it was. I was just doing better work. I was getting paid an abundance of salary. Like it was just good. And I have this feeling inside of like, if other women want that, I want to give you permission to pursue it because it's totally attainable for you and it's going to make the quality of your life better. Okay, so here goes. Here are the three big foundations that will make you super effective in a high-level executive role. Ready? Drum roll. Number one, high-quality thinking and problem-solving. Number two, the courage to do that problem-solving and thinking out loud. This is so important. I'm going to be talking about that more. And number three, the ability to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck. So let's dive into it. Let's start with number one, high-quality thinking and problem-solving. This is so, so, so important. The thing that will differentiate you in your work environment, the thing that will make you stand out from other people, the thing that will have people viewing you as the next best, like the best candidate for the next role that opens up, is not being the person who does the most work and clocks the most hours. This is so important. The thing that will have you first in line for that next big position, the thing that will have you be that person who is so essential to your organization that they are retaining you and promoting you is high-quality thinking and problem-solving. So this is your ability to bring a sophisticated view to the work you do and not just show up and blindly execute, but really be thinking at a bigger picture about the goals of the company and how your team's goals fit into the goals of the company and how your day-to-day work fits into your team's goals and therefore the goals of the company and how you can be pushing forward on the metrics and KPIs and visions that matter most to the company that you work at. If you find ways to unlock new value, right, and create new innovation and forward progress on your team and within your company, no one will ever tell you that you're not working enough hours, right? Like if you're driving major forward progress because you're spotting opportunities for improvement, because you're problem solving at a really high level, no one's going to tell you to work more hours. They're just going to want you to keep doing that high-quality thinking because that thinking is leading to value. And as part of leadership, you really want to start to get out of the worker bee mindset and out of the mindset of like, I'm just here to get a bunch of things done and into the value creation mindset, which is I'm here to make sure that my time and energy is spent furthering results, right? Furthering the mission and goals of the company. This is how the CEO is thinking and this is how the C-suite is thinking. They're not thinking like, oh, how can I clock all of these hours or like, how can I get all of these things done? I mean, of course they have things to get done and they're thinking about like getting things done. They're not like literally never thinking about that. But one of their main internal mental orientations is how are we creating value, right? How are we doing things that help the company thrive? And higher quality thinking also includes higher quality problem solving. This is so, so important. All problem solving means is being able to get through roadblocks. That's all it means. 
getting through roadblocks, whatever they are, is a skill. And the better you get at that skill, the stronger a leader you will be and the more valuable you become to your organization. Now, here's why this is so important. Most people, when they encounter a roadblock in their role, on a project, in their job, it feels frustrating and they don't want the roadblock to be there and they wish it wasn't there. But what's really important is if you want to become a leader, you need to get really good at navigating roadblocks. And the way that you get really good at something is by practicing. And the way that you practice is by doing something over and over. And I think one of the reasons that I grew really quickly in my career was because I kind of liked messes and I kind of liked things that were hard and sticky. And if I heard someone say like, oh, that's so hard and impossible, my brain would immediately be like, I want to do that. Like, I bet I could figure it out, right? Like, give that to me. And through that, I kind of got in this mentality of like, There's no problem that's truly a problem. Like problems are just part of the job. And not only does that make things less stressful, but it makes you way more effective in how you do things because you get a problem and immediately your brain goes to work on like, all right, how are we going to get through this? And it's the people in the room that are thinking that way whose brains immediately go, all right, how are we going to get through it? Those are the people that have the biggest impact. And so your problem-solving skills cannot be underestimated. And the best way that you're going to refine them (laughs) is by solving problems. And so when a problem arises in your career, if you're someone who wants to rise up and become a leader... I would challenge you to think to yourself every time a problem comes up, I would challenge you to think, oh my gosh, this is great. Another opportunity to prove to myself that I can get unstuck. And these problems and these sticky situations are some of the most powerful case studies that you will bring with you when you advocate for a promotion and when you're making your case to your manager or to leadership at your company that you're ready for that next big thing. You will say, hey, remember when that big, sticky, challenging thing came up? I got it over the line and here's how I did that and here's why I was able to do that. And that's exactly what I'm going to bring to this bigger role or to this bigger project. So I know problems aren't fun in the traditional sense. I know, I totally know that they can be stressful. Trust me. I had my share of days where I would like leave the office, like head to 7-Eleven, get a pint of ice cream and like sit my butt down for like an hour and like stare at the ceiling because my brain was like tired and stressed out. But in the end of the day, the more problems that you solve and get through, the more your confidence grows and you stop feeling so out of control in your job and you start feeling like, hey, no matter what gets thrown at me, I'm going to be able to solve it. And then like your stress levels go down, you feel more powerful, you feel in control, you feel autonomous. It's one of the best feelings, but you get that feeling by proving to yourself over and over that you can do it. So that was number one, high quality thinking and problem solving. Number two is so important. I'm so excited about this one. Number two is the courage to do that high quality thinking and problem solving out loud. This is so important. You could be the smartest person in the room. You could be the best problem solver in the room. But if you are too scared to say to the room, here's my innovative idea, or here's how I can help solve that. If you don't say that, No one will ever know. And the thing about leadership is that when you're problem solving and when you're doing this high quality thinking, 
for so much of the time, you are not doing it alone. You are doing it in rooms with other people. So not only do you have to be able to think at a high level and problem solve through difficult things, but you have to have the courage to do that in rooms with other people, in front of other people. And that requires bravery, right? Having a super innovative idea and having a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I see a solution to that thing is very different than sharing that with a room full of people who might have more experience than you, right? Getting the idea and sharing the idea are two different things. Similarly, problem solving alone in your head is different than doing it in a room full of people. It's very different to be stuck on something in your mind and be like, oh, how can I fix this? How can I solve this? That's a different muscle and a different skill set than being in a room and people being like, we're stuck, this isn't working, and you being like, hey, let's figure out another way, and you stewarding them through the process of finding that solution. That is an entirely different skill than you coming up with the solution on your own. And I would argue that ability to steward a room full of people through to a solution is more valuable than coming up with a solution on your own. If you are really good at commanding a room and helping to navigate and point towards an answer when things are getting very stuck, you will become so valuable to your organization. And part of the reason why is that there are a lot of problems that cannot be solved in a vacuum. And those are the problems that require really strong, really effective, really capable leaders, right? So I want you to think of leadership as not just the ability to do your job well, but the ability to do your job well when doing your job means being in a room full of people and having impact in that room rather than just having the impact while you're sitting at your computer. And I know that it requires a ton of courage and I know that those rooms can feel really scary. That's a huge premise of the work that I do is helping you build the courage to feel more free, more alive, more brave, more courageous in those rooms. But I also want to share with you how important this is so that you can motivate yourself now to use every room, every meeting that you're in now as a place to exercise and grow those muscles as a gift to your future self. Future you is going to thank you for doing the scary, uncomfortable thing today and speaking up and using your voice in those meeting rooms. Future you is going to thank you so much for doing the hard thing today because then she's going to feel way more confident and secure in that bigger, broader, higher impact position, right? So when we postpone the discomfort and we postpone the opportunity to take up space and be courageous and use our voice and speak up, we're doing a disservice to our future self. She has to wait longer for us to get to the point where we figured it out. And so I really want you to think about like the decisions that you make in the meetings that you're in this week could lead you on a career path that looks drastically different 
three, five, 10, 20 years from now. That's why I think this is so important. That's why I'm constantly talking about being courageous and using your voice, even in the day-to-day, even in the small instances, because it's going to be that that adds up to you becoming the woman who can then walk into a high-level room full of very experienced people and lead them through a challenging discussion or a challenging process or a challenging problem. Every decision that you make today is one additional building block in that skill set. And I want you to view every meeting as a place to stretch that muscle. And you don't have to be that woman yet who can steward, let's say, a room full of executives or a board of directors from an initial point to a decision or from a problem to a solution. But what you can do is get better at being a part of the conversation, get better at trusting yourself, get better at speaking more frequently, get better at not hiding in the room, just improving in incremental steps to get you closer and closer to being that woman. So that is the second one, which is the courage to do your high-quality thinking and your problem-solving out loud, also known as the courage to speak up. The last one, this is one of my favorite ones, This is one that is so close to my heart and just like one of the reasons that I love leadership so much. And this is the ability to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck. So one of the big differences between being an individual contributor versus being a leader is that you, it's not just about showing up to execute, but it's about having this bigger impact that has a ripple effect outside of you. So it's not just about you cranking out work, but it's about you knowing how to be leading a team or in a meeting full of executives or in a room full of a cross-functional working team and knowing what to do to get those people into action and to get those people feeling motivated, feeling inspired, really wanting to lean into things and give it their best. And it happens partly by the way you show up and your energy, because your energy is absolutely contagious to the people around you. And it happens through your ability to tap into what other people are feeling and figure out how you can communicate with them and work with them in a way that resonates with them and motivates them. And I think there are two things that are so important about the ability to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck. You first have to learn to do it for yourself, I think, before you can be really good at doing it for others. So I think that the deeper you go in your personal growth journey and the better you get at getting out of your like downward spirals and the better you get at motivating yourself to show up with confidence, motivating yourself to really act like a leader, the better that you get at that the more authentically and powerfully you can do that for other people. I just think it's a muscle that we build and we can we can direct it inwards towards ourselves or we can direct it outwards towards our teams. And so if you want to be a powerful, strong, confident leader, one of the wisest, smartest things you can do is get really good at motivating yourself and getting yourself unstuck, right? And that includes getting really good at guiding yourself through hard situations, right? Like motivating and getting unstuck isn't all about like, rah, rah, feel good, happy, yay, rainbows. Like, although I love rainbows, that's awesome. But part of it is like, what what do we do when things get really hard? What do we do when we're really struggling? What do we do when we want to just like throw our hands in the air and give up? How do we navigate that moment? And I'm sure that you've experienced that moment. And so the better you get internally at being like, look, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to find a solution. I'm going to move things forward. The easier it will be for you to do that for others and the more authentic it will land with them and the more powerful 
it will be. This is like something that has been hammered into my mind over and over as a coach because my literal job description as a coach is to motivate my clients into action, to get them to a place where they genuinely are like, I want to show up for this. I want to challenge myself. I, I want to do this. And I see this mirrored in my work so profusely that the deeper I go in my ability to do that for myself, the more I see that translating into my work with clients, right? The more we're able to go there together and figure out how to get them in a place of motivation and strength and grittiness and self-compassion and belief. So that was the first thing that I wanted to share about the ability to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck. And then the second thing that I want to share about this is that this is not just about motivating and inspiring your team. I think when we think about leadership, we think, oh, like you lead a team. And so like to be a good leader, you need to know how to motivate and inspire your team. And while that's true, (laughs) no offense, but like leading and inspiring your team is one of the easiest things you'll do in a leadership position because they report to you. So you're in the position of power. So like, I'm laughing because like, it's a little bit funny, not to say that like, it's not an important skill because there's some people that are horrible at managing teams. And I think we've all worked for those people and it's torture. And trust me, we do not want to be those people. And I'm not encouraging you to be those people. But what I am saying is like, once you have the baseline skill of like how to motivate your team and how to get good performance out of your team, what actually is often more impactful within an organization is your ability to inspire and motivate laterally and upwards, right? So your ability to inspire and motivate people who are at your peer level and people who are above above you because some of the hardest most complicated work and some of them some of the work that's most valuable to a company is not work that you can do in isolation just by getting your team to do the work but it it requires buy-in and collaboration often from your peers and other people around the company some of which who will be in more senior positions than you so not only do you need to be able to motivate and inspire your team and get your team unstuck but you need to know how to do that with other people right so what does that look like that looks like you're working with a cross-functional team and you need to figure out how to get them to care deeply about a project that your booty is on the line to deliver results for, right? Or it might mean you have a stakeholder who is a key part of a project you're working on and they're not happy about it and they're not cooperating and you need to figure out how to help get them and that part of the project unstuck. This stuff can be really, really hard and I think it's interesting that like when we think about motivating and inspiring others, our mind really goes to motivating and inspiring our team where like I said, like that's important and please like don't interpret this as me saying you shouldn't care about your management skills of your team. It is so important. But all I'm saying is that's the easiest part of the equation. The much harder piece is learning how to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck when you don't have actual authority through title over the people around you. And when you get good at that, you will become a powerhouse in your job. One of the things that I realized I was so strong in in my corporate job was I was so good at getting executives and peers to buy in and to be on board with things. And I think part of it was I'm really good at influencing and persuading. That came very natural to me, but also because I would get genuinely 
really excited about things. And I would genuinely get excited about what a project could do for them and for the company. And I think that that excitement was contagious. And so I think it was really a combination of like influencing and persuasion skills and then just like being really jazzed about what I was doing that had the impact of having people really like come close to the work that I was doing and be interested in it. And that is something that turbocharged my career like crazy because I really want you to think about this. Like when you're working with executives, right, and peers and higher ups, and you're able to get them deeply interested and invested in your projects, what ends up happening is they end up spending more time in meetings with you, more time in rooms with you. They're more focused during those meetings because they care about the work more. So they're having more interactions with you, higher quality interactions with you. They're getting to know you on a much deeper level because they care about the work that they're partnering with you on, which means they know you deeply. They start to become advocates for you, both within the organization and when you go out into the job market and start job searching, right? So the more that you collaborate with those higher-ups in your company, the more they get to know you. And the more they get to know you, the more their their, um, thoughts about you help further your own career. So it's not just about the immediate project that you're on and getting them to care about that project, but it's about the relationship that you're building between you and them that has implications far outside of your career. And this is something that I really saw come to fruition for me in my career when I was job searching because over time, I had professional references of people who were very executive. And when you have references of people who have very high titles, those references are very, very powerful in a job search, which not only equates to you like being more likely to get the job, but it equates to you getting higher quality jobs, higher compensation, better opportunities, right? So what I'm really pointing out here is that these things are all interconnected, right? Right? And when you build this leadership muscle and you get really good at inspiring and motivating and collaborating and getting unstuck, it's not just that it benefits you on like this one project, but it creates this entire ecosystem that helps drive your career forward. And that's really what happened to me in my career. And that's why my career really started to take off because all of these elements started working together. And I got to a point where I was like, this is so fun. Like, this is good. This is fun. This feels good. Like life is good, man. Like that's how I was feeling in my corporate career. And it was partly because of these things. And so I share this again because I want to open your mind to it, and I really want you to see that what you do can be better, more fun, more lucrative, more exciting, more empowering. I want you to know that it can feel that way because early on in my career, I didn't believe that that was true. I didn't believe that I could enjoy it. I didn't believe that I could make good money. I didn't believe that I could be happy. Like... I did not believe that it could have looked the way that it looked. 
And luckily, I ended up getting there, right? Those beliefs ended up eventually dissolving. But if you have those beliefs, I want to help you dissolve them faster and also make sure that they don't unintentionally hijack you away from having a career that is super fulfilling and that feels amazing. Like, I really, I strongly believe, and I will hold firm to this, that our corporate careers can be fun they can be enjoyable. They can feel really good. We can feel like we're getting out of it relative to what we're putting in. Not all corporate roles feel that way, but there are so many high quality, satisfying roles out there that do. And let me tell you, I left corporate to start my own business. It was one of the hardest decisions that I have ever made in my career. And many people, when they leave corporate, they're like, yeehaw, I'm out. I'm so excited. I did not feel that way. I was like, am I out of my mind to take this career that I've built where I get to do such interesting work, I'm in control of my schedule, I'm not overworking, I'm making a shit ton of money, (laughs) I'm giving all of that up to become a career coach. It took so much within me to make that decision because I had really genuinely loved and enjoyed what it was that I had built for myself. And so I share this to show you what's possible. I share this to open your mind to what you can have. And one thing I really want to emphasize is you do not need to be perfect and good at everything for this to be a reality, right? The imposter syndrome, the fears, the struggles, you don't have to fix those before you get to pursue what you want. You fix them along the way. You do it messy, right? That's how you build the confidence is by taking action, even though it's not perfect. Taking imperfect, messy action will give you more confidence than you will ever build from getting everything fixed and perfect before you step out of your comfort zone and take action. So to summarize today's episode, the myths about leadership are that you have to be aggro and inauthentic and kind of a dick to people in order to be an effective leader. Not true at all that you have to work a bajillion hours and be crazy busy. Also not true at all. What is really required for you to be wildly successful as a leader, as an executive, as a higher up is one, high quality thinking and problem solving. Two, the courage to do that high quality thinking and problem solving out loud. And three, the ability to motivate, inspire, and get unstuck. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. This was such a fun one to record. It's been a while since I recorded, and so I'm feeling all like energized and jazzed about being back in the depths of creating the podcast. It's one of my absolute favorite things to do. If you want to take your work deeper and you want more, First of all, there is a long podcast archive of over 200 episodes. So dive in there. You will find so much good stuff in the archives. But if you want more than just a podcast, I have a free video course on my website. It is called Speak Like a CEO. And if you are thinking of becoming a leader, maybe one day a CEO, you will need to learn how to speak like one. Um, Speak Like a CEO is a course in executive communication where I walk you through three foundational skills that will help you be very effective when speaking to a room full of people. They help position you as an authority, 
They help position you as a leader. And having these tools under your belt will give you clarity in terms of what to focus on and confidence because you, you'll know that you've got the right tools. If you would like to take Speak Like a CEO, it is totally free and you can get it on my website, jessgusitcoaching.com slash free resources. I will pop it in the show notes. And when you visit my website, you will also learn about the different ways you can work with me. I do one-on-one coaching. I do have a very limited number of one-on-one spots and they're not always necessarily available. But if you go to my website, you can learn more about that. And you can also add yourself to the wait list, which means you know, when a spot does open up, I'll reach out to you. And you can also learn about my group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy, which is a six-month immersive program on executive communication and how to be super impactful and powerful in the meeting room because that is going to be a huge driver of your professional success. You can find all of this stuff in the show notes and I will link everything below. Thank you a bazillion times for being here and for making it to the end of this 43-minute episode. I love the long solo episodes. I hope you like them too. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you probably do because not everyone makes it to the end. Have an amazing day and I'll catch you next week. Bye.